0: turn in your Bibles with me, go to Luke, Luke the second chapter and beginning at verse 22. Luke chapter 2 and verse 22. I want to speak today on just one word, anticipation. I love just one words. I'm I'm not a big, okay, here's a whole book of stuff. I, I, I like one words. Doug Rouse used to say it uh, well, when he used to say, Pastor Light can take one word and go 10 hours. And and I, I, I love just the thought behind understanding a word. And probably one of the ones that just, uh ex- I guess, just intrigues me is the word anticipation. I just like that word, just the thought of anticipation. They've wrote songs about it, you know. Anticipation. Uh, some of y'all this way, before you all time, a few, few people was like, yeah, yeah, you know, about somebody about to pull out a lighter or something and start lighting it up. It's like, no, no, we're good. So it, it's, <laughs> I got an amen from that. Can you believe I got an amen from that? So it, it, it's, we, we live in this expectancy. In fact, the word anticipation, let me give you uh, the definition. It's a feeling of excitement about something that is going to happen. I just I just that's perfect for our Christmas I don't think of any word that that fits Christmas better than anticipation because that's what we do we we wrap things why so nobody knows what there is and Santa Claus brings things on specific times and and you don't know what you're getting and and it's all it's all geared to around you can't shake it and you can't uh, mess with it. My parents used to just torment us for weeks. They'd stick stuff under there. And you know, and I I would like to say that I was, you know, good at all that stuff. Most of the time I had already done cut the stuff and done looked in it and figured out because I don't do well with anticipation. My wife will tell you, I'm the worst person in the world about surprises or anything. I just, I'm like, I'm like, no, just tell me, just let me know. And, and so if somebody wraps something or sits it in front of me or says, hey, I got a surprise, I'll come by next week, that just to no end bothers me. I'm like, I wonder if it's good. I wonder if it's bad. I wonder, Why we got to do it next week? Why can't we do it right now? What's the problem? So anticipation, it's the, it's the excitement of something that is going to happen. And the other definition, I love this. It's the act of preparing for something. It's the act of preparing for something. You don't even truly understand it. You're not even sure if you know what all it is. But you are preparing for the something that is coming. And of all the stories that talk about Christmas, this is the one that that gets me. The story of Simeon. Who is this older man and Anna who is this lady who live in Jerusalem who they're they're aging and yet the holy spirit has spoke something to them that's incredible is that they will get to meet especially Simeon you will get to meet the messiah before you die and so he he lives his life looking at all these little babies. He lives his life just waiting for God to to lead him to the right person, to the right family, to the right... And and he wanders around because there's, there's a distinct reason why it's in Jerusalem. And as we begin to read, I'll show you. Now, when the days of purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now, what he's talking about... As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy of the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So, what is taking place is Simeon is living in a place where the baby has to come here. He has positioned himself the Holy Spirit has put him in a place to where when the Messiah comes, he has to come here. Because if there is a male child born, if there is a first male child born, then that has to take place as the sign of purification. In other words, 40 days after the male child is born, this is 40 days after Jesus is born, Mary has to take the baby and give a sacrifice for her impurity. So when people start talking about, oh, Mary was perfect and all this. No, she had to give a sacrifice for her impurity 40 days afterwards, after, and just say this, after the bleeding, after everything had healed as much and everything is good, when she was whole again, she would come and offer a sacrifice. And people would talk about the wealth and stuff. No, they were very poor people. How do we know? Because of what they offered. You if you were if you were poor, you were allowed to offer two uh, a pair of turtledoves or two pigeons or something small. You didn't have to bring a full lamb. You didn't have to bring because if you didn't have the wealth, you wouldn't do it. In our economy today, what they offered in in sacrifice and what they would have given would have offered about $8. They would have paid about $8 for two pigeons. Two turtledoves. This was a poor family. And they've got their first baby boy. And they're coming to offer the sacrifice of purification. And, and not only that, but he also had to come there because he had to redeem the boy. The firstborn male of every family was given to the Lord. Now, we know that the Levites later came and God disallowed that, but it was still ceremonial that every person had to come and offer what we call baby dedication. They meant it. In their time, it would have been a baby dedication. Imagine if the law had remained the way it was and the Levites had not. Every child, every first male child of every family would have been committed to the Lord. Instead, God chose a whole nation, And said, one of the twelve will represent you as priests and this, and they will stand before me before the Lord. But the ritual was still the same. They still had to come and offer. And so can you imagine Mary and Joseph coming and offering the Redeemer? Can you imagine God looking down from the throne and looking down and saying, that's my son. And they're saying, Lord, we're asking you to redeem him. And God is saying, He is the redemption. You don't get it. He is your redemption. And in the middle of this, notice what takes place. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout waiting for for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it, as it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do to him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now, we are let, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, and a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The Bible says immediately after this, Mary and Joseph marvel at this. Because here is a man who has lived his entire last part of his life in anticipation of meeting one person before he dies. He's lived his whole life waiting to meet one person before he can say, Lord, I'm good. You can take me on now. I'm through. I've seen everything I need to see. He's not going to live to see all of Jesus' life, but he goes on to tell Mary and Joseph, I know what's coming. I know the pain that is going to cause you. I know the suffering that's going to take place. I know the rejection that he's going to get, but that's okay. I want you to know as I hold him, I'm not here to bless him. I'm here to declare who he is. And then he turns and blesses Mary and Joseph for what they're going to have to go through and what the world is fixing to have to face. And what is taking place is a unique moment of anticipation it's kind of like anticipation is, is sometimes a good thing and a bad thing. There's a story of a guy that his wife was just always worried that somebody was going to break in the house. And, and it, was, it was nonstop. Every few nights, she'd hear something bump in the night. She'd hear some cat outside. She'd hear something, and she would wake her husband up in the middle of the night and say, somebody's breaking in. And he he doesn't learn that if he was going to get any sleep, he had to get up. He had to make a loop around and then go back to bed and tell her, I didn't see anything. And so he did this for almost 20 years, on and off, for 20 years. One morning, one early morning, his wife wakes him up again. I hear something. So like normal, he just rolls out of bed. Starts walking through the hallway into the living room. And to his surprise, there is a guy holding his television. He flips on the light, the guy is startled, puts the TV down, is trying to run away. And the guy just goes and tackles him. And is holding him down. And the guy's like, please, just let me go. Please, I'm sorry. I, 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 I shouldn't have done it. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm, please, just let me go. I won't ever come back. He said, He said, shut up. He said, we're going back to the bedroom. And the burglar's like, what? We're going back to the bedroom. He said, why do we got to go back to your bedroom? He said, because my wife is in there. And he said, my wife has been expecting you for 20 years. And I want her to finally meet you. Do you live in expectation Expecting something to happen, expecting something to take place, good, bad, or whatever. You just—it's like I know it's happening. I know it's coming. I know what's fixing to. Well, we all live with certain expectations. Something wrong can happen in someone's life, and it's amazing how they. Well, I knew that was going to happen. Really, you expected it? You was looking forward to it? No, I just—I just knew it was going to take place. It always happens. It's amazing how we live our life in expectation. And expectation then comes with its own criteria, its own adjectives. It's an excitement that comes with it. There is a planning that comes with it. There is a mindset of rejoicing that comes with it. Because just like at Christmas, the reason we do all of that is because we sit there waiting for the moment The morning or the night or when we finally get to express all of the excitement that we have. And of all the qualities of Christmas, the holiday that we've created, we call it Christmas. This is the one to me that coincides the best with the Christian faith. Because of all the stories we read in the Bible whether it's the Magi who traveled to bring silver and gold and myrrh and frankincense, and, or whether it's the shepherds who say, let's go see this, or whether it's Simeon. Everything that's built around Christmas is built around a mindset of anticipating something. Now the problem is, is that we've transferred that to being about gifts and toys or something new or somebody spent money on me. But in the Christian sense, we need to step back and we need to reload our anticipation. It should be a moment when we step back and say, do I really anticipate what I should? Do I live my life in anticipation? Let me see if I can show it to you this way. At least four different times the Psalms start off with this phrase. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. Four different Psalms begin with that very phrase. A mindset of anticipating, exciting about something that's fixing to happen. Go with me to Habakkuk. In Habakkuk 1 and and verse 12 through 2, 1, it talks about all that Habakkuk is going through. Israel has been captured by Babylon and in the Old Testament, it's always about these type of stories and God redeeming and God coming back and fixing and God, I love the book of Judges where it's constantly and Israel turns away and God raises up someone else and Israel turns away and God, and, and it's what it is. It's always a mindset of anticipation. Something is coming. Something's fixing to happen. God is fixing to do something. Even Moses, 400 years, the people have been crying, waiting for God to come. And finally, they Moses shows up and says, it's time. God has decided it's time for you to come out. It's an anticipation of going to Canaan where the land is milk and honey, where you're going to have houses that you didn't build and vineyards you didn't. It's an anticipation. Habakkuk gives us this. And if we turn there and we look at Habakkuk 2 verse 4, listen to what he says. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall what? Live by faith. When he goes through all of what God is speaking to him, all that God is telling him, Habakkuk, I know it looks bad. Habakkuk, I know it, it isn't great. Habakkuk, I know what you're going through right now with Babylon. This, why, why, God, did you let them do this? Why did you let them destroy us? Why did you let all this happen? And he says, listen, I have one consolation, is that wicked people don't live by faith. They live by what they can get at the moment. Wicked people live by what they can feel or taste or see at the moment. They don't live by anticipation. He said, but the just, our quality that means more than anything else is that we have decided that we will build our life on faith. That's why in chapter 3, when he wraps it up, listen to what he says in verse 17 and 18. I love this. These scriptures have been used multiple times. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will In that part of our Christmas, rejoice, rejoice. Because built into our anticipation is this mindset of you must have a mind of rejoicing. What if you didn't see any Christmas tree? What if you didn't see any presents under it? What if you didn't hear or see anything that made you think that Because, see, that's the way my parents eventually got. As I got older and they found out it wasn't safe to leave stuff around for me and my brothers and other people, they went into not setting it up at all. They would do things like leave it in the trunk of a car. And there would be nothing there that night. And they say, y'all need to go to bed. And we would wake up the next morning and mom and dad had... When you get older, Santa Claus brings your stuff when you're young. But I, I had to anticipate that my mom and dad would do good. I'm like, I wonder if they're gonna get me anything. I wonder if my mom and dad's gonna do anything for me. I wonder if my mom and dad are. So so in my mind, it's like I don't see anything. Maybe they maybe they just didn't and my dad would play it down. Anybody's dad never remember it did. Well y'all y'all know now this has been a tough year. What does that mean? It's Christmas. Well, y'all know, I'm telling you, you know, we wasn't able to we ain't able to do what we normally, and I think, man, and we just reside in our minds. We go to bed, yeah, you know, maybe you know, you know, we 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 got it good. It don't matter if you don't matter if mom and dad had any ability or, you know, God's good. We're going, and then to get up the next morning, and to see that mom and dad had—that was a big thing. It's a big thing. But what caused me in between bed was the anticipation. Just like a child waits for Santa Claus. Just like we, as when we get older, give gifts to each other. And just like when we get saved, we live in an anticipation of something good coming our way. Of something good on the horizon of our life. Let me see if I can... Show it to you. He says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. In the New Testament, it's put this way. Go with me to Philippians, Philippians 4, verses 3 and 4. And I urge you also, true companion, help those women who labor with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. This is a scripture people pull out all the time. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, this is the sign of your anticipation. This is the sign that you believe. This is the sign that you're saying, I know something good is coming. Like a child waits for Christmas and Santa Claus and all the things. We, as children of God, have to be able to say, I live in anticipation of something. There's a day coming, and the gifts, he'll be coming with him. And all the things that I've expected, I'm going to see and I'm going to embrace. John 15 says it this way beginning at verse thir- 11. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may... Everything I've ever told you and all the stuff I told you to get ready for and all the stuff I told you to anticipate, I told you for one reason, so that my joy will remain in you and that your joy would be full. So if I was to ask you this morning, in your Christian walk, in your Christian journey, what are you full of? If we're anticipating, then what are we anticipating? If we're rejoicing, then what are you rejoicing about? And don't get me wrong, it will last for a little while rejoicing over what God has brought you out of. When when I'm around young Christians, when I'm around people growing in Christ, I know when they're starting to make the transition in their life. Because what will happen is they'll stop talking about or stop relying on or stop referring to all the time what God brought them out of. Because that is the first phase of the relationship that you have with God is that you are thankful, well, I'm just thankful God saved me. I'm just thankful God brought me out. I'm just thankful that, that God. But notice how the Apostle Paul says that's not what we're, we're thankful for. When he begins to mention all this, number one, and I want to give you five things this morning real quick, that you are to live in anticipation or excitement about. That changes everything else. Just like with Christmas, there's things I'm excited about. There's things I'm anticipating. I'm anticipating the presents. I'm anticipating getting to eat it with the other people. I'm anticipating the fun. I'm anticipating all of this. But if you ask me about my Christian life, what am I anticipating? What do I get excited about? What is it that makes me say, wow, this is awesome. This is something that makes me rejoice. What is it? Number one. I rejoice because my name is written in heaven. Yeah, he it, it, it got rid of my past. Yeah, he took care of my problems. Yeah, he saved me from my sins. But listen to first 3 of, of chapter 4 of Philippians. Listen to what it says. I urge you also be your true companion. Let these women who labor with you in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of the fellow workers... Notice how he says this, whose names are written in the book of life. He's he's sitting there looking at him. He says, look, I need you to help this lady. I I need you to to keep working. I need need you to remember so-and-so. I need you to take some food over to so-and-so. And guys, don't forget why we're doing all of this. Because every one of us's name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Every one of us's name is written in that Lamb's book of life. And one day when we get there, they're going to call out our name as being part of a royal family. And we're all going to be together. And that is what makes everything worth it. Number one is that if you're a child of God in here today, your name is written down and you're preparing for a place this world has no understanding about. So when you say, "bro, Lot, you are you anticipating? I'm anticipating my name being read one day. I'm anticipating somebody saying, we've watched you and we've known you and we've had our eyes on you all your life. And we've been watching you serve and we've been watching you do. And you know what, Tim? We've been waiting for this day when you finally come home. Go with me to Philippians 4 and 3. There's an anticipation that comes from knowing you belong. Because if you're not careful, you'll get caught up in all the other stuff. Well, I'm I'm a member of this church, or I I go here, or I I sing, or I, I teach, or I do all the stuff that you do. Here's what the disciples said in John 10, verses 19 and 20. Behold... Therefore, there was a division among the Jews and because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. And why do you listen to him? There's a division that's created and in Luke 10, go to Luke 10, my bad. Try Luke 10, 19 and 20. Sometimes I write it down wrong. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means do what? Man, that's what we ought to get excited about. I mean, I can, I can speak to demons. I can tell them to get lost. I can pray for sick people. I can do... I mean, that's, that's what it's about. But Notice what Jesus says. Nevertheless... Do not do what? Remember I told you, I see the transition in a person because uh, this is the hardest thing you'll ever do. The hardest thing you'll ever do in your life is rejoice for something you don't have. The easiest thing to do is to rejoice over something that you just received. When do we take video of people at Christmas? When they're opening a present. We we get the camera ready and we want to get the facial expression. We want to get everything. We want to like, like, okay, let's get their anticipation. We want to get all their expression. What that is, is that's someone who is thankful for what you have done. All the stuff you did for me. So when someone looks at me, I mean, okay. When someone comes to me and says, brother, Lott, I just feel like, you know, my walk with God, and my relationship is just dying. It's just like I'm drying up. No, it's not. Here's your problem. You've lived as long as you can off of the excitement of opening the present. The only next step in your life is to learn to train yourself to live an expectation of the present to come. Does that make sense? And most Christians fall out of church. We have friends and people, we have them. They got saved or they gave their life to, man, God helped them. And then they didn't, it's like they're not in church anymore. We're like, what happened? What? I'm, I'm going to explain what happened. They can only live so long on the excitement of having themselves delivered from drugs or saved or God forgave me for this. You can only live so long on that. You must transition into the mindset that I'm now giving praise and rejoicing not for what He's done, not for this power that He delivered me with, the power for demons and power to be healed. And Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this. That the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are what? Are written in heaven. And that's what's hard. When you come here on Sunday, if I was to give every one of you $100 when you walk through the door and say, Look, I want you to rejoice today. I want us to really praise the Lord. Oh, Brother Lot, you can count on me, man. And every time I thought about sitting down, I would say, But Brother Lot gave me that $100, man. I, I'm, I'm, going, I'm not letting Brother Lot down. But if I told you, hey, I want you to rejoice. I'm stand outside. I want you to come in. I want you to rejoice. Say, okay, brother Lot. No, no, no. I need you to rejoice there. I'm going to do my best, brother Lot. I'm, I'm going to try. Hey, look, if you will, sometime, maybe in the future, I'm going to give you a gift. <laughs> Would that make you do it? You might start and be like, I bet he ain't even going to give me nothing. I bet he just said that just to get me to act goofy. He just wants us all standing and worshiping, though he ain't going to give me nothing. And if I was to hang around people at Walmart right now who are not in church or not going, if I were to ask them, Do you believe in God? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, why aren't you there rejoicing? Well, I just, you know, I'll tell you why because I really don't believe He's ever going to give me a gift. Oh He's been good to me now. I I can tell you stories about how He brought me out of stuff. But I don't believe there's more. And therefore, I've turned from that and I'm pursuing the things that I think will give me what I'm looking for. The first thing when we talk about rejoicing Is that I must rejoice, number one, because my name is written in heaven. If you're saved today, you are a part of a special group. Death will never touch you. You will never live in any separation from the Lord. If it helps you to think, you will never have to go to hell. You, you are, have a one way ticket to the best life there's ever been, and all you got to do is make it walk through this one and get there. And hear him say on the other side, well done. And you think, well, what's it going to be like? Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard. Neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared. Now, I know the Spirit gives us a sense of it. That's what the next verse is, that the Spirit reveals to us. But I'm going to tell you something. He he can't give us in our flesh a revelation of how awesome this thing's going to be. The God who created all of this world, designed the trees, designed the grass, designed everything, made all the different kind of fish, did all of this, that God is going to be in the creating business for something that you would enjoy for eternity. How do you think He'll do? It's going to be pretty cool. Number two, we are to rejoice because God is providing for all now our daily needs. Go with me to Psalms 103. I love this Psalm. And I'm going to read you the first five verses of it. It's And it it just sets the pace for for this. That we serve a God who takes care of our daily needs. Not all our wants. That's not our purpose in this life. Our purpose in this life is not to get everything that we just want. I know some of y'all, this is contrary to whether you live. But God says, I'll take care of all your needs. Here's what Psalms 103 says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all our iniquity, who heals our diseases, who redeems our life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? What is he talking about? Well, one unique thing, and I'm now have time to preach about eagles today. But one unique thing about eagles is this: is that eagles lose their feathers every year. Eagles will 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 work to, to to lose all of their feathers every single year. Well, that sounds depressing. Oh, no. Because have you ever seen an old eagle? Sure you have. There's a lot of eagles that are old. But you can't tell it. Because the way God designed an eagle, pull that scripture up one more time, The way God designed an eagle is, is that every single year, his feathers are renewed. So when the psalmist is writing, he says, Who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth... He says, I put good things in your life and you are to rejoice over those good things and to keep rejoicing over those good things because you may tell you what rejoicing does in your life. It causes you to lose the old feathers that you had when you went through difficulty, when you went through trial, when you went through circumstances, when you went through death, when you went through trouble. You're just shaking them off. And and, and when somebody sees you later, they're like, well, I heard you lost so-and-so. Yeah, I did. It was kind of painful. Hey, I I heard you had a situation. Situation. Uh, we did. It was. It was not what we was hoping. It went kind of bad. Well, man, I heard you've been going through some stuff. Yeah, it is. It's bad. I know. Right now, we look over in Kentucky and all that's going on, and people's like, "Man, that's devastating." That is. But but at the same time, listen to me very carefully. Storms take place. Problems happen. There'll be more hurricanes. There'll be more troubles. But here's what the Christian body can do that the world cannot do. The Christian body can say, "We will go in there. We will get in there." We We will come through there, and when we come out the other side, when we shake off all these old feathers and we shake off all these problems, we will look as new as we did, as you had never thought anything had ever happened. That's the beauty of the Christian life. Some of you in this room need to shake some of them feathers that you've been carrying around that are dead and are just laying there. And people see it in you, they're like, oh, so it looks like you've been through some stuff. It, you need to shake them and realize that if you'll shake them off, if we will speak with our mouth and shake them off, the good things that God has done, what will take place is new feathers will grow. And you will look, even though I'm 50-something years old, I still look 35. And, and that's wonderful because it's because I keep shaking off the old feathers. Did I get any amens? That's what I love. That's what I love. All of us in here. So my energy is renewed. My strength is renewed. My vigor is renewed. And it happens because He satisfies us with good things. You, You want to renew? You want to shake off it? hug somebody that you love. You go go out shake the feathers off and watch and see that God is renewing. God is preparing and taking care of your daily needs. Number 3. We rejoice we rejoice because we also get to suffer with him. Now the suffering I'm talking about is not like what's in Kentucky. But just the fact that we're going to live a life not marred in all the stuff the world states, if we're going to shake our feathers off and we're going to walk around free, happy, then let me tell you something, that doesn't sell in our world. It seems like it would. It seems like everybody would want to be happy, to be free, to be... But really, everybody just wants you to be like them. And the moment you say something contrary I I had a situation the other day and we were we were praying and we were going around and different people were praying and 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 man as they were going along and and don't get me wrong all the stuff they were talking about was was tough things people had died and things had happened and and, and COVID and and this year and it had been it had been and 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 I was listening to one right after the other, and it's like, what can we, you know, tell us something going on in your life, and what can we pray for? Well, they just skip what's going on in their life. They just went right to here's what you can pray for, and here's what, and 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 it got around to me, and I was almost like, Man. Like, Tim, tell us what's going on. Man, it's all good. It, it, we just got the pond dug, and man, God's been good. And I'm telling you what, man, we've been seeing souls get saved. We did some baptisms, and, and man, it's just been so awesome watching God do crazy things. And, and I'm getting to go see my son here very shortly, and me and Elise are going to celebrate our 29th, and my daughter is doing this, and there's going on. And, and man, I, I mean, it's just, life is just, just rolling along, and we're just, we're just. That's what's happening in my life. I'll go to the bathroom now. <laughs> and doesn't it seem that way? If you're going to go to some homes this, this Christmas and you're going to walk in, they're going to be like, well, you know, this is going on. You're almost like, oh man, we got to deal with all this. Isn't it? It's just like, we got to hear their story and Lord so-and-so. And then there's this couple right here and it's going on. And, and they're like, well, how are y'all doing? <laughs> doing good. <laughs> well, I wish we were doing good. Me too. <laughs> Me too. It would make everything better if you were doing good. And so in our lives, listen to me, we suffer not because of what we stole from somebody. We don't suffer. Here's what Jesus said. A servant is no greater than his master. In Jesus' whole ministry, all he did was go around and do good. That's all he did. And he said, a servant is no bigger than the master. So if you go around and do good, then guess what? They persecuted me. They will also persecute you. You're just too happy. You don't have enough problems. You're just lucky. Go to Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Matthew 5, 10 through 12. And I figured this morning, since I only get one preaching time, I can kind of like double it up. Here's what it says. Blessed are those who are... Look at the person beside you and say, does anybody ever persecute you? Not because of something you did to them, just smiling. Just being nice and they're just going, I don't even like them. What, you don't like me? I didn't do anything to you. You smile too much. You're just too happy. You scare me. I don't trust people grin as much as you grin. I'm sorry. He said... When you are persecuted for righteousness sake, just, just doing the right thing, just being the right person. Not for doing anything wrong. When you're persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That, that's a person that knows my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's a person that realizes, I'm good, you know. Is, is everything perfect in my life? No. Is, is, is my car running? No. i got issues like everybody else. But listen, my name is written there. i got good things coming, and, and I'm okay. God will supply my needs. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kind of evil things against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice. Oh, there's that word again. Because if I live in anticipation, what is, the, what is the adjective? Rejoice. What do you do when somebody talks about you? Just like, praise God. What? Just do that at Christmas. That'll scare them to death. When they, when they, when they just go off and like, well, you just think you're better and everything. Praise God. I'm just thankful to the Lord. They're like, what's wrong with you? The Bible says rejoice when people persecute you. You ain't got nothing good to say about me. I'm just going to rejoice. Just, Just in the mindset, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It's part of our journey. God will take care of our needs. But learn to rejoice in it. Number four, rejoice. Because your suffering is not in vain. Go to James 1, 2 through 2-4. Rejoice because whatever you're going through is not wasted. It's never just wasted. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Know that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing that doesn't mean i'm gonna have plenty of money in the bank account it doesn't mean i'm gonna not be lacking in those earthly areas but what it means is in, in this mindset i am well i'm complete i don't worry about what the doctor has to say i don't worry about what's coming around the corner i don't worry about the next storm i don't worry about the next trial i don't worry about the next situation i'm okay i'm well I'm well. And so God, what He wants us to do is to rejoice realizing that our suffering for let patience have its perfect worth that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. Go with me to Romans 8 and 28. One of our favorite scriptures that we use all the time. And we know that all things work together for what? For good. To those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. What's our purpose? Well, he saved me. My destiny is heaven. My purpose is to do good everywhere I can, every opportunity I can until I get there. That's my purpose in life. Whatever my hands find to do, do it with all my might, to do my best. That's all. If, if, if I'm gonna wash dishes, wash them the best I can. If I'm, if I'm, if I'm gonna rake a yard, rake it the best I can. If I help somebody, help them the best I can. Just do the best you can every day. Do it with a smile, realizing that, you know what, He's gonna take care of me. He's gonna meet my needs. He's gonna do, because I'm living in anticipation, not only for what He's doing for me now, but for what He's gonna do for me in my future. So we know that all things work together for good to those who love the, who are called according to His purpose. Number five. Rejoice. Rejoice because this same Jesus that we celebrated Christmas, the same Jesus that Simeon held and said, he's, he's the Messiah. He's the one. I can die now because, because I'm good, I see the future. Rejoice, because Jesus is coming back. I don't get too much caught up in the nativity scenes. I don't get caught up in. I went to Israel years ago, and they took us to a place where there was a cave type thing, and they said this is where Jesus was buried, and and you know you want to go up in there, you want to? No, nah. I really don't care anything about it. All that is good stuff and that's wonderful history and and, and I love to celebrate Easter and I love but my symbol is not a tomb my symbol is not a cross what I, I wish the symbol for the Christian faith was was one of two things either a fish which is what the early church, that was their symbol. It was a fish. Because they knew what their job was to be fishers of men. Or a crown. Because the next phase of my life has nothing to do with a tomb and has nothing to do with the cross and has nothing to do... The next phase of my life has to do with either fishing or getting crowned. That's my future. And so in my life, that is what I look forward to more than anything else. And so I rejoice. Because yes, when we celebrate Christmas, it reminds me of who's coming. It reminds me of who I'm waiting for. It reminds me, not of baby Jesus. It reminds me that my Savior My champion, like the songs they sung this morning, is coming. And so guess what? It creates within me a little more anticipation of what's to come. What's the next great thing you look forward to? What's the next great thing you look forward to? The Bible warns us. It says, don't tell someone, hey, next year we'll do this, or next year we'll go here, next year, because you don't know. When you look at someone, he said, say it this way, if the Lord willing, because that means it has to fit in God's plans and God's designs, and whatever they are, I'm good with. If the Lord's willing, I'll see you. If not, I'll see you. That's the anticipation Christmas should bring in our lives. And that's the anticipation we should bring. So this year, what I ask you to do, very simple. Watch people opening their presents. Watch people when they walk in and see the tree and all the stuff. Watch how excited people get. And then I want to ask you to do something. I want you to ask yourself, do I get that excited about what Christmas is about? Do I get that excited? Am I in that kind of anticipation for when my Lord comes back? Because if we do, that's what Christmas is really designed to do. And when you do that, then it doesn't really matter if you get anything or doesn't get anything or... The greatest gift is already on its way. In fact, in First Thessalonians, it'll say it. Let me read this scripture and I'll let you go. First Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17 says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with His voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. It's amazing to me that it's going to end with rejoicing. It's going to end with rejoicing. Somebody's going to shout. Somebody's going to blow a trumpet. And something's fixing to happen. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus, we shall always be with the Lord. That is the Christmas I'm waiting for That is the Christmas that if you're on that cloud on one side and I'm over on the other and I look over at you and go like this. Yes. You will see excitement on my face. Like, yes! Why? Because it'll be like Christmas, just like a child. I am a child of God and my Christmas morning will have arrived. Will you stand? I hope, wish, pray, that you have safe travels over this holiday season. I I pray that you get to make great memories with your family. I hope Santa Claus and all the other gift givers, I hope, I hope it all goes well, but somewhere along here, I hope with all of my heart that we as Christians remind ourselves: what are we anticipating? What is it we we live, breathe, and what is it we look forward to? And I hope that we re-energize. Uh, Recharge that excitement. Because when I watch my little nephews and nieces and others open their presents this year, it's going to hit me. Do you get that excited, Tim? Does the world see you like an eagle that's shaken off the old? And there's new excitement in you, there's a new expectation. There's just a new hunger. Can't wait. Father, my prayer over every person in this room today is that they will have the greatest Christmas ever. Make wonderful memories with family and friends. That's that's the beauty of what You've given us to celebrate. Is that God, we, we live free and we get to enjoy and God, over these holidays, let us shine in such a way that maybe someone who only sees Christmas from a very narrow perspective can catch a glimpse that God, the great excitement is that my name is written in a book where my heavenly Father resides. That God, He meets my every need he brings me through every trial and it causes me to grow and causes me to shine better. And then when it's all said and done, I go home. One day when I get home, I'll celebrate Christmas in the greatest way it's ever been celebrated. We will cast our crowns at His feet because He is the great gift And we were the great recipients. Father, let us remind ourselves and hold to it. In this world that throws so much at us, let us hold to Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Christmas, everybody.